0: put your hands together for the very funny Moody! Yay. Right now coming to the stage is Moody! How you doing I'm Moody? Everybody calls me Moody. Moody! I know this guy's name is Moody! How you doing on Moody. Moody? Everybody calls me Moody. Put your hands together right now for Moody! How you doing on Moody? Everybody calls me Moody. Make some noise please, make some noise for Moody! Oh, okay. How you, doing? How, you doing? How you doing? I'm Moody. Everybody calls me Moody. How you doing? I'm Moody. Everybody calls me Moody. Welcome to The Moody Show. I hope you enjoy this episode of my podcast, Being Moody, Episode 3, Three Crazy Rides. A quick housekeeping note. My intention is to drop a new episode every Monday, so look for those here. It says in the Bible that we ought to be good to each other. Because sometimes we entertain angels, and we don't even know it, if I got to a place called Heaven and I saw the man I'm about to tell you about standing there with wings i would I would not be the least bit surprised. I think I may have entertained angels. This story takes place back in the nineteen eighties. I was living in the Boston area, and I was driving very late at night, probably about three in the morning. I was down on a road called Storro Drive. If if you're from the Boston area, you know store drive runs down along the Charles River. And uh, it's not really a great place to be driving at 3 in the morning. It's not a dangerous place, but for one thing, there's no breakdown lane. It's just driving surface. And I got a flat tire. So I pulled over the side as best I could, which is terrible. And I start to change in my tire. I jack up the car. I'm getting everything ready, and I realize that the lug wrench that I have in the car, I bought the car used, and the wrench that's in there does not fit the lugs that I have on my car. It was a like an 80s Pontiac Sunbird, I think, blue. Anyway, just at the moment when I realize that I've got the long, wrong lug wrench, a guy in a, one of those old VW Bugs rolls up. And back when they were the originals, they had the trunk in the front and all that. Anyway, beat-up thing, he pulls up behind me. Guy with a big old beard and gets out, asks me what the problem is. I tell him about the the tire iron. I got a flat. I jacked it up, but I I don't have a tire iron that fits. And he says, "Well, come on over here. Let me see if I got something that that might help." Now it's Boston, so I kind of followed him at a bit of a distance. You know what I mean? I didn't run right over to his car. <clears throat> he opened up the trunk and started rummaging around inside the inside there. When I looked inside the trunk, some things are true. One, there was tire irons in there. Lots and lots and lots of tire irons of every shape and description you could think of. Two, there was only tire irons in there. There was no flares. There was no spares. There was nothing else except this VW Bugs trunk completely full of nothing but tire irons. I just stood there with my mouth hanging open, and the old guy rummaged around in the front of the, the thing, and he pulled out a four-way. He turns and hands it to me. He says, here, try that. So I'm still, uh, like, I don't think I took my eyes off him for like 10 steps. I, I couldn't wrap my head around what what was going on. I walk over to my car, and as soon as I got that four-way on there, and I figured out one of them fit my lugs, I heard him close the door and drive off if i get to the kingdom someday and i see that guy standing there with wings i'm going to be like i knew it it was one crazy ride i'm not typically a very vengeful person i don't i don't really engage in a lot of revenge but this is my one revenge story and as luck would have it it was it was a pretty sweet pretty sweet revenge i was living in an apartment in brighton massachusetts just outside of the city And I had a friend visiting me from school in New Jersey, from out of state. And when it was time for her to go home, a blizzard hit. And it was a bad one. No one was driving, wet out conditions. But she still had to get back to school. So her parents asked me if I would drive with her down to New Jersey. And and then they would fly me back for work the next morning. So I said, yeah, I'll do it. We head out for New for New Jersey, and it's bad. We didn't see any other cars like all the way down. It was incredible. We got all the way down just north of Hartford, Connecticut, and we're coming down to the city. And there's this big Oldsmobile looking thing pulled over to the side, flashes going, buried in snow already. And I didn't even think I just I you could die in a storm like this, so I I had to pull over. I pulled over up ahead of him. I ran back. And I get in there, and guy rolls the window down. It's four of the biggest dudes I've ever seen, wrapped in like furniture blankets and stuff, shivering in this car. And uh, I say, "Hey, hey, what's going on?" And guy in the driver's seat says, "Well, we don't know. We don't know anything about cars, and we can't get this thing to run. Can you give us a ride into the city?" Well, we had like a little. We were in like a little her little hatchback or whatever. And also I wasn't really swift on having like a bunch of dudes packed in the back of the car. So I'm like, well, I can take two of you. And then I guess two of you have to stay, you know, I said, all right. So these two guys get in the back now back there in the back seat with them. This is back in the days when boom boxes were a big thing and the bigger the boom box, the better. And you could spend $700,000 on a really nice boom box. And she had, and it was back there. So I drive them down where they want to go in the city, snow everywhere. As soon as I stop the car, both back doors open and they disappear into the snow along with the boombox. I chased them in reverse uh, with the doors open, like like all the way, all the way down the street. But I lost them. And so, and so she starts, she starts crying, not not because of the boombox, but just because because people could be so crappy, you know. Here we are helping you out, maybe saving your life, and you're going to rob us, you know. Now you're going to be a burglar. So anyway, <clears throat> I, I I don't do well when, when women cry. I, I don't respond well. I, and I lost my mind. I, I immediately closed both doors. I pulled out back on the highway, and I took the road north past where we had run into them in their car. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, don't worry about it. I turn around and I come back down southbound, coming up behind them again. I pull up in front of the car again. She says, what are you doing? I said, don't worry about it. I run back to the car again. The two dudes I left there still wrapped in their furniture blankets, right? The guy rolls his window down and he's like, hey, what's going on? I say, hey, your buddies are coming back with a car uh, from the city, which is true. So uh, I'm thinking in my head, I have to work fast, you know. I said, they're coming back with a car, but I figured I would come and see if I couldn't do something with the engine. The guy's like, oh, I appreciate it, you know, He pops the hood. Now I was nervous because I don't know how much they can see underneath the hood. There was a lot of snow, and I was hoping that would cover me, you know what I mean? But for about the next 10 minutes, which is a really long time, I bent, stapled, spindled, mutilated, and broke everything I could get my hands on underneath that engine. I was so adrenalized, I bent fan blades. Sometime you got your hood raised, wiggle your fan blade, and imagine just folding that thing over. I pulled the terminals off the battery. It was a car with a distributor cap. I jacked snow into the block. I tore the wires out. This car would never run again. Every once in a while, for my own entertainment, I would call around the side of the hood. Try it now. And, and, and then I'd break something else and twist something else off and try it now. You know, <laughs> I did as much as I dared. I got to get out of there before these guys come back with the car, you know? So I run over to the window and I'm like, hey, uh, I can't figure out what's wrong with the engine, which eventually, by the way, stopped even turning over. <laughs> like it just got worse. I said, I don't know what's wrong with the engine, but I I want to split. And He's like, well, I really appreciate you trying, you know. I was like, oh, yeah. I said, listen, just do me a favor. When your buddies come back, just make sure you let them know I came back and worked on the car. (laughs) I ran back to that hatchback, and we took off. Now, I would have given my left pinky to have been a fly on the wall when that guy came back and was like, oh, hey, hey, we scored this boombox, you know, and. And then old boy was like, yeah, oh, man, that guy came back and, and worked on your car. <laughs> I'm confident that I'm not the only one telling this story, you know? Like, I guarantee you, probably one of his buddies is like, remember that dude <laughs> Like that came back and messed up your stuff? <laughs> yeah. It's the only revenge story I really have, but it, it was a sweet one. And served hot. Like right away. It was one crazy ride. The last crazy ride I want to tell you about actually spans uh, a decade, this story. It begins back in 85, 86. I had just uh, begun attending college in Boston. I was going to Suffolk University, and I pledged a fraternity while I was there. In in university, I majored in, I had three majors actually. I had uh, foosball, Beer, and sorority sisters, uh, and and I got I got straight A's. Uh, so eventually, I ended up withdrawing from college, passing, but I withdrew. And but before I did, I, I pledged this fraternity. Now, <clears throat> they shall remain nameless, uh, and they they stood on the platform of we don't haze, we will not haze you. Well, so I joined. I joined, or tried to join, I started pledging this fraternity. As it turns out, not only did they haze, but they were the most notorious hazers of the campus. It was just ridiculous. Several weeks of just shenanigans. All of these shenanigans culminate in a week called Hell Week, the final night of which is Hell Night. And, of course, as best as college kids can, they come up with as miserable a time as they can for you on Hell Night. Well, that night I'm driving home. It's a half-hour ride from Boston to my hometown. And I, f- I ended up falling asleep behind the wheel. I was about two turns away from my house, about two minutes from my house. Come up to the top of a hill, fell asleep behind the wheel, went down the hill over the double yellow line, threw a fire hydrant, and ran into a house. The house was like a business slash residence. The first story was a brick uh, it was all brick. It was a realtor's office. Top, top two stories were where the guy lived that owned the realtor office. Well, I, I smacked that freaking thing so hard, I, I broke an entire Volvo wagon. Uh, it was a 1971 Forest Green uh, Volvo wagon, and I broke the entire car. There was nothing salvageable. I had a good buddy of mine, had the same exact car. He went to the wreck to try and you know, get stuff off it. Nothing. There was nothing he could use. The car was so twisted, they dragged it down to the town square, and the kids going through the high school driver's education course took field trips to go down and see my car. It was a horrible crash. Because I was asleep, I walked away with two black eyes. So, anyway, fast forward. uh, I actually made it into the fraternity. That was hell night. Shortly after that, I, I withdrew from school. Fast forward like 10 years, so it's like 95, might have even have been later than that, 98, somewhere in there. I happen to be back in the Boston area, and I thought, well, why don't I go visit my my frat buddies? Now, there's nobody in the frat house that I know, but, you know, there'll still be guys I can sit and shoot the breeze with or whatever, so I go over there to see who's who and what's what. I'm sitting in there talking to these guys and swapping stories and stuff. Now, one of the things they do during the not hazing process is they have a list of all of the fratters the brothers and and uh, some of the local alumni on a whole list and you have to get everybody's signatures like three columns of names you got to get everyone's signature or you or you, you don't get into the fraternity early on in the hazing process it's uh, or the not hazing process it's pretty easy to get these signatures. They might just sign it and hand it to you. Here you go. Later on, uh, it's much harder. You have to do crazier stuff to, to get that signature. And they if they're displeased with you, they might just crumple the whole page and you start over. So it's, it's a thing. So one of the brothers says to this pledge, hey, we don't see this guy around here often. You might want to get his signature while you can. Now, I should tell you that one of the things that they did to make sure that the that the pledges weren't signing their own papers, was they would put fake names in there, people that didn't exist, so they could see if they were signing their own stuff. Well, anyway, this pledge hands me the page. I find my name on the page. I sign under my name. I hand it back to the kid. He says, that's not you. I said, what are you talking about? He says, that couldn't be you. I checked checked the page, you know, my signature. Yeah, that's me. He says, no, that's not you. He says... That kid died in a fiery crash on Hell Night in 1985. I was both horrified and delighted. They had been telling the pledges for over ten years that I had died in a fiery car accident, just like a ghost story, just to freak him out on Hell Night. And what blows my mind is that people that were telling this story had no idea who I was. Like it was now being passed on as oral tradition ten years, that's what, three full classes at least? I had become an urban legend at Suffolk University in Boston. Passed on, from class to class, The Kid That Died Hell Night, 1985. It was one crazy ride.